California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground. I'm your host, Phil. Happy May Day at the time of this recording. Uh, dozens, well, probably a handful of protests going on right now all over the state, including Sacramento, San Francisco, Huntington Beach, uh, San Diego. Uh, not sure if there's one going on in L.A., but there were a whole bunch of which I mentioned last week. If you've been following uh, the Instagram handles, fully open CA. Uh, Right now, they have protests going on all over the place. I think there might be more protests going on tomorrow. Uh, if you want to find out what they're doing, you want to check in, support them, do whatever. Uh, protests have been happening. Protests happened last weekend as well, which I will talk about a little bit on the show because I was down there at the one here in San Diego, uh, Pacific Beach. So uh, with that, there's a lot to always get to, especially with the coronavirus, the Rona happening right now. Um, and as people were starting to head out of it and you start to see on May 1st, a lot of states, I think it was 38 states have, as of now, are reopening. So that means there's a lot of states that are already moving towards reopening, getting back to normal, reopening their economy, helping small businesses and small business owners get back into uh, some sort of normalcy. Texas led the way. Well, I would say Texas is leading the way. Georgia's was the first one to really reopen. Um, but mostly it looks like a majority of the states are starting to reopen. California is still very reluctant. We're going to get into that. But let's start with our out of the gate monologue. You always see people joke about how 1984 is here and we've now crossed into an Orwellian world without knowing it. This, of course, was pre-pandemic, but now the laughter is turning into smoldering anger over what's going on in our country. If you're not too familiar with 1984 outside of the fact that it is a book about a dystopian future, here's a quick summary. There's an individual by the name of Winston Smith who lives and works in this dystopian future country of Oceana, where Big Brother, that's where the term comes from, and the party basically control every aspect of your life. The party strongly forbids any sort of free thought, or as they like to call it, quote, a thought crime. In Oceana, you are given a specific job and you're constantly monitored for any disobedience. The hero of the story begins to question things because he specifically remembers things differently than the Ministry of Truth puts them out. Since he works at the ministry and is responsible for correcting old story, he sees it firsthand. However, he fears being vaporized for starting to question the narrative around him. Individuals around him stare blindly into a TV screen where Big Brother feeds them the daily lies the state wants you to regurgitate. You've probably seen it in the famous Apple 1984 commercial. As the hero looks around, he sees everyone succumbing to the lies and the disinformation, frothing themselves into a fervor. Now, I won't go too far into detail the rest of the story because I don't want to spoil it for you, and also it's a good story. But we see eerie similarities between that story and now. I try to refrain from such alarmist notions that we are surrendering to an Orwellian world, but sometimes the comparisons are too much to ignore. Last week I discussed how the stats being put out are not commensurate with the extreme measures that are being put into place to prevent, quote, the spread. I truly believe we are starting to see people waking up to the reality that this has become overblown and we may have done more harm than good. 
Such thoughts are not allowed in our current climate. Two doctors from here in California gained national recognition when they openly refuted the notion that we need to remain shut down and we only need to quarantine the elderly and most vulnerable. The news spread like wildfire and news channels quickly picked it up, but as soon as they exploded onto the scene, any video of them was taken down as disinformation or violating community guidelines by the big tech companies. It was memory hold, or at least they tried to memory hold it. The mainstream media and the tech companies aren't the only ones making sure you abide by party rules. Similar to the manic viewers of Big Brother in 1984, the media has essentially whipped the populace into a fear-induced panic over the coronavirus. Fear is a powerful motivator, and you see it everywhere on the news and social media. People parroting the same talking points over and over again. You've heard them before. We must stay home to flatten the curve. We can't even think about opening the economy until everyone can be tested. I know it hurts, but we're all in this together. And my personal favorite, if we reopen too early, we will end up killing millions of people. The same points echo again and again. Want to question what's going on with the facts and statistics? That's a thought crime, and you should be ashamed for thinking such things. In fact, if you get particularly cheeky response, it might include a nice little doctored waiver saying you waive all right to medical care for having such incorrect thoughts. Now finally, our hero in 1984 is constantly looking over his shoulder for fear that someone might snitch on him and get him vaporized for thought crimes. Today, there is no need to worry about how tyrannical governments can impose and enforce such strict measures when you have a brainwashed populace ready to tattle on every person who is not strictly abiding by arbitrary guidelines. Don't think that's true? Just look at what Mayor Garcetti said in a press conference. He said, you know what they say about snitches? Well, in this case, snitches get rewards. No need for there to be a police everywhere when you have scared the populace into doing the policing for you. Of course, we are far from the dark and bleak world in 1904, but its story is no less pertinent today than ever. George Orwell said that 1984 was to be a cautionary tale, not an instruction manual. However, the heroes of today don't have to worry about being vaporized. There are heroes who stand out on street corners waving signs to open up the country again. Heroes such as doctors who go against the grain and tell you there is not a rational reason for being completely shut down. There are Winston Smiths all over this country willing to push back on the party's tyranny. Thought crimes aren't completely illegal yet. So again, I urge those out there who have questions and concerns to speak up. It is only when our voices are made loud enough and joined together will people begin to question what's going on. For the sake of our country and to ensure 1984 remains a work of fiction, engage in thought crimes. Commit them on social media. Commit them in discussions with friends and family. Commit them wherever there is an opportunity to do so. Otherwise, it really will be a crime to think differently. So, obviously, there's a lot going on out there in California. Uh, California... Uh, we're going to get into a little bit about him closing the beaches and then reversing his policy. And also some interesting tidbits that I pulled from Seth Meyers. I didn't even know he was on Seth Meyers last night, but I was able to find uh, the footage. Um, not that it's hard to find. You can go on YouTube and find it um, because they're pushing up all these late night hosts. But uh, I found it just by happenstance because I was looking for any latest daily briefings from uh, Gavin Newsom for the show. And then I saw that he was on Seth Meyers. So I pulled a couple clips of there. Um, 
So one thing that I want to talk about really quickly, and it's more of the national news going on with this whole Joe Biden thing and the double standard that's happening and how it really does tie in to what's going on here locally. Um, so this morning, Joe Biden went on Morning Joe with Mika Brzezinski, who was supposed to be giving him these hardball questions. If you heard it, she had obviously pain in her voice as if every single question that she asked hurt her in a physical and emotional way. Um, there's clips out there of Mika Brzezinski and Joe Scarborough talking about how much they love Joe Biden, how uh, Mika Brzezinski said that she knows that he's a flirtatious man, um, that it is, uh, he does this, what she calls safe flirtation, meaning that there could be a kiss, there could be holding hands, there could be a hug, there could be something like that, but it's all safe and harmless because that's who Joe Biden is. Um, and she would be sad to know if Joe Biden has to change because of everything that's happened. Uh, but as you've probably already seen that the double standards going on between Democrats and Republicans comparing this to what happened with Brett Kavanaugh is night and day. And it's not hard to go back and see. Uh, I mean, it's not hard to go back and see what Nancy Pelosi said about him now or Brett Kavanaugh then and Joe Biden now and how she has changed her tune completely from. Well, we must believe all women, you're guilty until proven innocent. Therefore, he has to come out and prove that he didn't do this to now, which is, well, Joe Biden's a, a you know, a great man. He's a, he's been a leader in the Senate and there's no way we must, you know, we must believe and allow him the chance to defend himself and, and prove that he's innocent. Of course, that that same standard wasn't obviously given to Brett Kavanaugh during the Supreme Court hearings. And you have a, a, an accuser who has a lot more facts on her side. She has more people who are corroborating than Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. And, and, all actually, and, and it's hard for them to now backpedal and say that, oh, no, wait a second. The Me Too movement, which was believe all women 100% guilty until proven innocent, uh, and that the burden of proof is really on the, the accused man. That there is now all of a sudden this different standard because it's Joe Biden. And you even see articles. You see articles saying that he must be held accountable, but that doesn't mean he's not electable. So before it was, well, we can't appoint a man for life to the Supreme Court because obviously this man's going to be on the Supreme Court forever and affect millions of lives because he's this uh, sexual predator and this monster who's out there on the Supreme Court, as opposed to, let's say, the leader of the free world who has... Uh, enormous influence over millions, if not you know billions of lives because of the fact that he's the leader of America and we have influence all over the world. But that doesn't really matter to the left. Now the left is really kind of backtracked. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to tie this into here locally in California. It's not just the Joe Biden issue. The double standards exist on both sides. If you don't remember, if you if you're not aware of the fact of Gavin Newsom's uh, incredulous history of what happened with him and Kimberly Guilfoy, he did cheat on her, and he cheated on her with uh, one of his best friend's wives, um, and it was called out to our attention, mostly through Travis Allen during the gubernatorial debate uh, back a couple of years ago. Uh, here's a clip of it. You can't trust Gavin with his best friend's wife. How can you trust him with your state? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard with respect to, to hear from Mr. Allen, who's a devout supporter of Donald Trump, talk about the issue of sexual harassment. A devout supporter. I mean, it was no 
surprised that Travis Allen positioned himself as the MAGA candidate, the Trump candidate for the gubernatorial race, as opposed to uh, feckless John Cox, who really didn't do anything. As soon as he made the list or as soon as he made the ticket, he seemed to roll over. But that's a whole different story. But you notice how all of a sudden they keep pushing away and they keep deflecting on this issue in the sense that it doesn't matter if the Democrats did it. Donald Trump is an awful human being and orange man bad. And obviously he said uh, that horrible thing on the Hollywood access tape with uh, I forget who his name is. I mean, he's such a flash in the pan at this point. I don't even really care who he is who leaked that tape. But as you can see, they always push back on it. So their only response. And, you know, I mean, if that was your only card to play, I guess I would play that, too, and push back. But the, there is a difference here in the sense that, yeah, there have been people who have accused Donald Trump or not so much as in this case where there is somebody who, uh, I mean, there were some people who tried to come out and accuse Donald Trump and it didn't really work. And people looked at it and were like, uh, yeah, OK, we don't believe you. And you're obviously a little crazy. I think the last person who came out and tried to accuse Donald Trump made such an embarrassment of herself on CNN and Anderson Cooper. He literally had to cut away because he started to believe this is literally unraveling as we're airing this segment live with her. So we're now going to have to cut away to a commercial and get rid of her because it's just so bad. Um, but you can see that, that they always kind of push it back on. Well, you know, even though I was incredulous and I cheated on my wife, Oh, well, you have Donald Trump who runs around saying, grab him by the, you know, what, uh, how dare you even make that comparison to me? It doesn't change the fact that you're not accountable. And I'm not going to sit here and say that whatever Donald Trump did, if, if he did or did not do, uh, doesn't change the fact that it's still a bad standard to set. You can't say, well, because I cheated on my wife. Um, therefore, it's OK because Donald Trump is a horrible person. No, those are still inherently bad things. And using Donald Trump as a scapegoat is kind of saying, well, as long as the president does it, I'm OK. And that's become the sort of the double standard is, well, a Republican can do it and it's an awful, horrible thing. And we must believe all women. We must uh, make sure that, the, you know, the man is accused is 100 percent guilty until proven innocent. As opposed to on the other side, where if you're a Democrat, well, there's a reason, maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's something when there was a bigger issue. Maybe I don't know. Maybe blah, blah, blah. There's all these different reasons. We have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Let them figure this out. But you still can't just point to Donald Trump and say, well, Donald Trump's a horrible, disgusting, misogynist human being. Therefore, it's all right. And he did, you know, Gavin Newsom, if I've, if I've said anything, I've said that he's a very uh, clever and, and very, very clever and smart politician. He knew when he said that he was able to get a reaction from the crowd. He was able to move it around. A lot of people picked up on it. There's some people who said that whatever Travis Allen said was, you know, a kill shot. It was really good. Some people who saw the debate also said that what Gavin Newsom, how he deflected was the perfect way to deflect because it's orange man bad when it comes down to it. So what does it matter? You know, Donald Trump is supposedly this, uh, he is the, uh, poster boy, the American poster boy of sexual harassment in this country. So even if you vote for Donald Trump, there's no way you can point out what Democrats did because, well, you voted for Donald Trump, which doesn't really make sense. And I, I guess it's one way to deflect. And like I said, if it's your only card right now and you really have nowhere to go and the Democrats have put, put kind of painted themselves in this corner where they have to go back and say, well, all that me too, believe all women is now no longer, oh, well, there's some conditions and there's, 
it's a little different now when it's Joe Biden. And, and they, they know they're caught. They know they're caught in a rock and a hard place and they either cave on what they said before or they stand up for it and they go after Joe Biden. So I don't think this is over. And I don't think a softball interview like the one Joe had with Mika Brzezinski where she was so pained and agonizing over every question. She's felt so bad. Mr. Vice President, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I have to ask you these horrible questions. But you're such a good friend and I have to do this because I'm a journalist. And if anyone believes Mika Brzezinski is a journalist, well, I have a bridge to sell you. But I want to move on uh, back to local news. I just wanted to tie that in because I uh, just wanted to show sort of the double standard and sort of the uh, shell game that they've been playing with this whole terror read, Me Too sexual harassment thing with Joe Biden. Um, I did go to the uh, protest last week down uh, in Pacific Beach. I was there in an official capacity uh, to keep an eye on things as an attorney. Um and I, I will tell you this. I saw about 200 people. It was well attended. Um, nobody got out of hand. Nobody caused any violence. Nobody broke any store windows. Um, there were a ton of red MAGA hats. There were a ton of flags. There were a ton of Trump flags. Um, and it was it was well attended. And it was very calm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people I know in the community were very upset about that because they thought, obviously, if you go out and protest... You're going to kill grandma by going out and protesting. Um, but it seemed pretty calm. And I'd have to give credit to the San Diego Police Department. They did a good job of, you know, just keeping an eye on everything, letting people exercise their First Amendment rights, um, just making sure they stayed off the sidewalk, stuff like that. Don't don't block the roads. You can stand on the sidewalk and protest. At a certain point, you could just see that people were going around uh, in their cars. They were sort of creating this caravan, a little parade just going back and forth, causing all this ruckus and noise. Um, so all in all, it was a very well-attended, well-taken, well, uh, everyone was well-behaved, I guess you could say. And it wasn't a Antifa protest, uh, not where you see Antifa going in and they just start breaking stuff for no reason. They start throwing trash cans through Starbucks windows or, or hitting people or throwing off smoke grenades. It was just people standing around signs and American flags and shouting and, and doing what, you know, a peaceful, I would say that was a peaceful protest. Nothing went wrong. No legality, nothing legal happened. No one was arrested. It was all very up and up. And I'm sure I haven't seen really a lot of the footage of what's going on today or tomorrow yet. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people are doing the same thing in the different cities right now that fully open California is doing right now. I'm sure they're very well respected. I, I, I'm sure they're following the rules. They, they know what their rights are and they're not really they're not really causing too much of a problem right now. So I just want to give you that little update and just a uh, first hand, if you were able to tune out to do a little bit of a live video, uh, just going over it so you could see firsthand what was going on. Um, so the big news this week that happened with California was California's uh, Gavin Newsom couple days ago, sending out or leaking that memo to the police chiefs that he's going to close all beaches simply because he saw too many people in Huntington Beach uh, on the on the on the beach. And he thought that this was violating uh, public health guidelines. So he decided he was going to crack down and close all the beaches as a penalty to everybody, which was swiftly met with a huge pushback. And this was released leaked at 10 o'clock at night. Next day, within less than 24 hours, he reversed that decision, mostly because a lot of people pushed back. A lot of local leaders, 
You know, a lot of, uh, I know for here in San Diego, I know the mayor got on the phone and said, look, we've been doing our part. We did it safely. Uh, we have our precautions in place. There's no reason to punish all of us just because Orange County got out of hand. There were some sheriffs. I know Humboldt County said, there is no way I'm going to enforce this. This is ridiculous. Um, and so within 24 hours, Gavin Newsom backed down. He praised some of the states or some of the beaches and the cities for doing a good job. But ultimately, he did say that OC is going to be shut down. Now, here's the thing about why this is a big deal. Orange County, if you don't remember, just recently flipped blue. And a lot of people thought this was a huge win for Democrats. Orange County is still, it's not out of the woods yet when it comes to, it's not a Democratic stronghold. I would still say it's very Republican. There is a strong Republican presence in Orange County. If there's one thing Gavin Newsom did right now, and this is where he was not a smart politician, is to force all his ire at Orange County specifically. Now you've become the poster boy problem within Orange County. And now you've created yourself, you made yourself out to be the villain. And nothing makes people unite and rebel faster than making them feel like they are singled out specifically for what they did. And in this case, Orange County is going to, and I believe that this will start to reignite a lot of that Republican enthusiasm in Orange County. He's essentially kicked up a hornet's nest in Orange County to get people back out and push back against him. And I know that there's still people who, I know Orange County is pushing back on this. They've basically said, look, he can tell us we'll do whatever we want. We're still going to let people go back out on the beaches. Um, Orange County is not going to take this line down. They're not just going to throw up their hands and say, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. We'll, uh, we'll abide by whatever you tell us to do. We're just going to do it because you're, you're our supreme leader. Orange County is not going to stand for that. There's already been pushback. For example, OC Supervisor uh, Michelle Steele, uh, she called the governor's actions arbitrary and said it was an act of retribution against the county. Quote, we should be rewarding our communities for practicing safe social distancing, not punishing them by closing down only Orange County beaches. And this is not acceptable, she said. I will be looking into the right response to the governor's overreaction and abuse of power. Uh, so obviously, Orange County is not going to take this line down um, and they're not going to just let this fall the way it is. I think they're going to push back. They're going to let and this is going to awaken a lot of Republicans in that county. So. Smart move by Gavin Newsom to single out Orange County? Probably not, especially when they were doing so well and making inroads there. And now you've made yourself the poster boy for problems and uh, Republicans can really go after you and make this a campaign issue essentially this year and say, look, do you want more Democrats like Gavin Newsom running Orange County, representing Orange County? And a lot of people who are fed up with it will probably say, yeah, no, I don't want Democrats like that representing me. So one thing, uh, now I want to move on to some clips that I told you I, I found from Seth Myers last night. He did have Gavin Newsom on. Um, he did talk about a couple things. He talked about the beach closing. So I'll play that clip. And then there's another clip uh, that I want to play as well, which is probably the more terrifying clip. But let's start with the first clip, him talking about what was going on with the beaches. Uh, Californians uh, justifiably so brag about uh, their beaches. We saw footage uh, this past weekend. Uh, of a lot of people crowding the beaches. You just gave a press conference where uh, I think specifically in Orange County, uh, you reinforced the importance of staying uh, at home. Is that, that must be hard. You mentioned cabin fever. You know, people want to be outside. 
No, I've spent my entire political life opening up beach access, fighting for people's right to their beach. Uh, and this state, it's one of the reasons Horace Greeley said, go west, young man, go west in the 1850s. It was our natural beauty and 1,100 mile coastline, 800 miles of pristine beaches, none more beautiful than down in Orange County, one of the really most magnificent uh, bucolic parts of the world. And so I hated to do it, but I had to do it on the basis of the advice and counsel from my public health directors. Uh, they're all saying the only way we can set this course back to reopening with modifications our economy uh, is to see the kind of concentration that we saw on those beaches over the weekend. And so we're gonna do our best, try to be collaborative and cooperative. Most of the beaches, over 100, did everything right and the communities there really met the moment. But unfortunately, uh, people were really eager to get out, a little too much so last weekend. And so I just wanna slow that down, decompress a little bit, and then have a pathway to reopen very quickly. So again, going after Orange County specifically, uh, he did backtrack and say uh, what he's basically repeating in his press conference that a lot of the beaches did a good job of uh, staying within the boundaries and uh, the guidelines. But at this point, I think really, is this a fight? Is this a hill that Gavin Newsom wants to die on? And he said that he wants to open the beaches and he wants to reopen as fast as possible. Um, and, and I don't think this is a hill he wants to die on. And I think it's, like I said, poking the hornet's nest of specifically Orange County. If this was LA, I would understand if this was San Francisco, although there really aren't beaches up there in that area. If this was L.A. and they said to L.A. people in Los Angeles, well, you can't go out to the beach because you guys got a little rowdy. A lot of people would probably comply with that and agree with him. But Orange County is different. And you've started a little bit of a problem there for you and Democrats. And this is not the hill that you can die on because Californians pay a lot to live close to the beach. You know, there's a reason why the rest of the country believes that California is two miles wide and everybody lives on a beach or close to Hollywood is because all the images you see are of people at beaches or San Diego or surfing or Hollywood or stuff like that. You don't see the big counties that are way up in what I like to call the state of Jefferson. Um, and in other news, just a side note, there's a county up there, Modoc County, that basically just gave the middle finger to Gavin Newsom and said, look, we're opening. We don't care. There's nobody up here. Um, we've been practicing social distancing because we're a sparsely densulated or a sparsely populated county, and there's no reason for us to keep doing these social distancing. So they're basically thumbing their nose. So you're starting to see a little bit more of this this specific uh, county starting to fracture away from what the governor and the state orders are saying. So I don't think this is a really good idea for him to die on this hill. And, it, it, and a lot of people may say, well, it's stupid. What's the big deal? It's a beach. It's been there forever. You're going to have the beach when this is over. And I think in California, this is one of the things that it's it's not only that, it's emblematic of the lockdown and what it is and maybe the craziness of these lockdowns. If you go down to the beach, people are walking around, people are milling around. When we went down a, and walked around uh, back when they opened up the beach, that it was this Monday, this past Monday. People walked, people were playing sports, people were throwing the frisbee around. Someone was maybe sunbathing more than 100, 200 feet away from anybody just laying out on this towel. And a lot of people can say, what's the big harm in that? It's not really harming anybody if you're all out there keeping your social distancing. No one's sitting on top of each other. I don't know. I mean, this isn't the New Jersey Shore. And if anybody who's ever been in the New Jersey Shore understands in the summertime, 
it can get really crowded to the point where you're literally sitting towel to towel and there's really no room, but not in California where uh, there's huge beaches, especially places like Orange County, where you can spread out and you can sit on a towel and be way far away from anybody else. So why these are these things, these are the issues that people are looking at and they're saying this is ridiculous this is overburdensome this really has nothing to do with the virus anymore it's just about penalizing us because we don't comply with what you want us to do and i I, this is a bad hill for him to die on um it was smart of him to back off does it make him look like he's a flip-flopper a little bit sure do people say oh well now he's being a, a very smart and pragmatic politician It was bad in the first place. You know, he could have just reprimanded them and said, look, he could have handled this a little bit more diplomatically. He could have called uh, Orange County supervisor like Michelle Steele and say, look, I'm not crazy about how many people are out on your beaches. Can you make a point to let them know in a responsible way? Just take it easy. You know, social distance, do whatever you have to. But he didn't do that. Instead, he just closed it down like they were a little child and he was punishing them and putting them in timeout. It's not the hill you want to die on, especially not in California. People are very, very, uh, very attached to their beaches and their beach life here in California. So not a good move on his part. But the next clip I'm going to play you is a little bit more terrifying and probably a little bit more scary if you look between the lines. We're going to talk about that. Uh, You mentioned uh, three months ago, the good news was this incredible budget surplus in California, budget surplus that allowed a budget to have a lot of space for progressive issues, things like climate change, yeah. things like addressing homelessness. Uh, the reality is you are not going to be able to hold that surplus, correct? No, not oh, that surplus is gone. And by the way, um, previous year, literally a year to go this month, a year ago this month, we were announcing how we were going to bounce a $21.4 billion budget surplus. I mean, it's just incredible how quickly things move. The good news is we were prudent in terms of our investments, one-time surplus, one-time investments, paid down debt, uh, started to pay down pension obligations. Uh, And it's a way of saying this, and forgive me because I've lost half the people watching don't want to talk about pensions. That's not why they watch your show. But it's a way of saying this, when you hear some Republican leaders say we're not going to bail out these states because of mismanagement, with all due respect, California's been running surpluses. We've been sending money to the federal government over the last few decades to send to other states to help them. And I'm really proud of this effort. And I can only say this, we can't balance these budgets and protect the most vulnerable without the federal government's help. We're going to need a substantial amount of support. It's directly because of this pandemic. It's not because of mismanagement because of the pandemic. And that's why we're blessed to have Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, from the state of California. And she's putting up now close to $1 trillion in separate bills to focus on the needs of states, counties, and cities. And I'll tell you what, Seth, just flat out, uh, we sent her a letter three weeks ago saying, if you're not talking close to a trillion, you're not having a serious conversation about the magnitude of this crisis on budgets and the impact on police and fire and healthcare workers and teachers all across this country. And I'm really proud of her and pleased that she's starting to socialize numbers at that level because that's the level of this crisis and the impact over the next three years uh, that these budgets are going to feel. There's a lot to unpack in that clip. And if you listen closely, there is a lot of stuff that is uh, terrifying and a lot that you can take away from just that little clip. 
Now, obviously, Seth Meyers, and I just want to say this about Seth Meyers and all these late night shows. Is it that hard to go on Amazon and buy a $20 inline mic or a wireless mic or even a snowball mic or any sort of mic that doesn't make you sound like you're recording in a shoebox? I don't understand all these late night hosts who get millions of dollars in budgets. All of a sudden, they, they can't figure out how to use any sort of mics or anything that YouTubers or podcasters have been using forever. But regardless of that, the issues, there are so many issues to unpack here. First off, let's talk about the fact that the $24 billion surplus that Gavin Newsom likes to brag about is now gone. And this is something I've said before. It doesn't matter that there is a $24 billion surplus if you're not spending on anything and if you have an enormous amount of debt and deficit. And we've I've said this before, and I'll beat the drum again and again and again. California has a trillion dollars in unfunded pension liabilities. One trillion dollars. So even if Nancy Pelosi were to bail out her own nephew, and run out to the Congress and say, okay, we need a trillion dollars to bail out California. That would be the amount, it would have to all go to California to pay for their pension liabilities. That's not to say that we won't get in this problem again, even if you were bailed out. But the scarier thing is not that the $24 billion is gone. I mean, that is terrifying that $24 billion, where did it go? Even the legislature is starting to wonder where Gavin Newsom is spending some of this money. He was recently caught uh, giving a billion dollars to a Chinese car manufacturer for making PPE uh, face masks. And a lot of the legislature, even people in his own party were saying, whoa, 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 wait a second. You can't appropriate this many funds just for yourself. And same thing with putting aside $75 million in cash payments for illegal immigrants struck down by the California Supreme Court saying, oh, you can't do that either. So where did all this money go? Where did all this money go? Where did he spend it? We won't know for a while. But the scarier thing is this, is that he pointed out that with that $24 billion, he was, and Seth Meyers kind of alluded to this, if you heard what he was saying, it's about climate change uh, and different issues and green energy and all that issue, all the, all the Vogue things a celebrity like Seth Meyers would obviously care about because they've all been pushing it uh, for years and years and years. He said, well, now you can't go out and spend on these types of measures. Okay, so what? When you uh, when you have personally, when you have a surplus of money, let's talk about it on an individual matter. Okay, so California doesn't have its big savings account anymore to go out and buy the things that it's been wanting or that's on its big wish list, right? So. Does that mean you get to go somewhere else and have someone bail you out to get the things that are not necessary uh, all on your wish list? No. If you're an individual like you are now here in the coronavirus and you are shut down and you're quarantined and you've had to use your entire savings to just put food on the table or at least keep a roof over your head, or maybe at least keep your business open. Maybe you're paying employees with your savings account. Who knows? So this big surplus you may have amassed over the past couple of years when the economy was really good is now gone. But you don't get to go to the government and say, well, I spent all my savings and now I don't get to do the things like, oh, well, I wanted to go to Disneyland or I want to take a trip to Europe or I wanted to add a new addition on my house or put in a pool or, or buy a new car or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
you don't get to get your wish list things because your savings ran out. That's what you're saving. You know, your savings are gone. I'm sorry. That's what it's for. It's for a rainy day. So you don't get to bail out so that California could go ahead and push forward with these progressive uh, progressive initiatives just because now your savings is gone. No, that's you're not getting bailed out. Every state got hit. Every state had to figure out what to do in this crisis. And every state is going to have to look at, well, what's crucial now? How do we get back to normal? How do we kind of get our budget back under order? That's what every state is going to have to do. Now, if there's an issue, if there is an emergency, and I'm not even a big fan of this, I'm sort of along with Mitch McConnell that if you hit bankruptcy and you can't balance your budgets, now the fact is California lost all its surplus. It's going to have lost revenue, tax revenue, because it lost a quarter of the year to coronavirus. And the longer Gavin Newsom keeps this shut down, he's going to lose even more tax revenue. He's now going to have a problem where his books are not going to be well balanced. You're going to have enormous amounts of debt, enormous amounts of deficit, and not be able to pay any of that stuff. Here's an idea for Gavin Newsom. Like that individual who stuck at home and spent his entire savings to keep a roof over his head and to feed his family or to keep the lights on or to pay employees. You know, that rainy day in case of emergency savings fund, he won't get to use it for the fun things he's been wishing for. Maybe Gavin Newsom needs to go back to the legislature and say, okay, we need to revise our budget to figure out how we're going to work within this new paradigm. What are things that are essential and non-essential? Where can we cut back? What's waste? Stuff like that. But that's not what a progressive like Gavin Newsom sees. See, he has a clear vision of what he wants to do, what he wants to enact. He knows. And he said this in a previous interview which I had talked about, that he wants to, or he sees the opportunity to push for a progressive form of capitalism coming out of this. So just because the, the, the state might be flat broke at this point, it doesn't mean he's not going to run to Auntie Nancy and have her bail him out and give him billions of dollars to re, replenish his surplus. So now he can go out and get his progressive wish list. And if this is a, this should infuriate the individual, because if you're no one's been coming to help a lot of individuals here in California, millions of people are unemployed in California. Businesses are drying up. I haven't seen anyone who's really gotten too much help from the state in the sense of, uh, I don't know, any state grants or stuff like that. I don't even really know anybody who's talked about it. It's always been coming from the federal government with the PPP loans and the economic injury disaster loan. But outside of that, I haven't heard California rushing to send millions of dollars to help its small businesses. Have you? Has anyone heard of California helping the small business owner? Has any, you know, unemployment checks that were supposed to go out as fast as possible are still three weeks behind, four weeks behind. They still haven't gotten their first paycheck. It's now, we've now gone so far into the crisis that by the time they start getting their unemployment, we should be reopening. We're actually on the other side of this now that we should be reopening and people should be going back to work and the unemployment will, won't be worth anything. But those people still had to scrape by and get through an entire six weeks, eight weeks without any help from the government. So California basically did 
zilch to help its citizens, to help its small businesses, to bail them out. And a lot of these individuals and small businesses should be upset that they had to figure out and make sacrifices and figure out what they're going to do with their businesses moving forward. Their business budgets are going to be different. Their business budgets aren't going to be the same. Maybe they had they were on track to expand. Maybe they were on track to add more space or buy a new piece of property. Maybe they were on track to add a couple dozen new employees. Now they can't. Now that wish list is gone because they may have had to use all of their saved up money and all their capital just to keep the doors open. But Gavin Newsom doesn't see things that way for his government. He sees things as, I wanted these things. I want climate change initiatives. I want progressive initiatives here in California to help the most vulnerable. And you can fill in the blanks of whoever you want him to be the most vulnerable whatever that means, but he still wants his wish list of progressive policies. And if that doesn't wake up a lot of people in California to the idea that they don't care about the little guy, they don't care about the middle class, and they don't care about small businesses, that should terrify you. Because here he is basically saying, I don't have to be responsible with your tax dollars. Let me say that again. Gavin Newsom is essentially saying, I don't have to be responsible with your tax dollars. I just want more tax dollars so I can get my progressive initiatives passed. Instead of being the pragmatic politician, like I said, who should figure out what to do moving forward. And maybe all those progressive things that he couldn't do are now you know, put by the wayside. He still goes and ask for a trillion dollars or he's asking that Nancy Pelosi at least gets a trillion dollars which I doubt will ever pass and I doubt that the president might ever pass it because at this point we've already printed made up pulled money out of the air how many trillions of dollars out of the air right now and now you want a trillion dollars and I'm not the only one saying this I'm not the only one who is saying that this is a problem People saw this coming down the pike two weeks ago. And this is why Mitch McConnell came out and said, I'm not going to help bail out all these states. You screwed up bad mismanagement. And even President Trump said bad mismanagement of your budgets does not mean that we're going to bail you out just because of this, quote, coronavirus. That's not how this works. If you had bad budgets before, it doesn't mean that you get to use the coronavirus as an excuse to get all this bailout money. How do you figure that out? It's real simple. Go back. And I heard a reporter ask this of President Trump. How do you figure out what was bad management? Was it due to the coronavirus or poor management? It's not that hard. Go back to February and prior to all the shutdowns. Was the state in trouble before? If the state was in trouble before... That's bad mismanagement, and you don't get a bailout because of that. And like here in California, if you had a trillion dollars in unfunded pension liabilities before all this happened, that doesn't mean you get to come out and say, well, I need a trillion dollars so that because I I just need to, I need help because of our, because of the coronavirus. No, no. You had that liability long before 
coronavirus ever even showed up on our shores. Same thing with New York and New York City. All these states and, and, and cities who are high tax, who spend their money willy-nilly, who have no issue with waste or fraud or abuse when it comes to taxpayer money, all of a sudden are going to be running to the federal government with their hands out. In California, will probably be one of the first in line to say, oh, look, we bail out so many people because we're the California, we're this booming economy and blah, 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 blah. Sure, there is an argument that we, we do give a lot of federal aid back or federal money back that goes to the government. But that's because you like to brag we're like the fifth largest economy in the world or something like that. I don't know, it constantly shifts up and down. It's always fifth or seventh or whatever, however largest economy. You want to brag about being a big economy. Uh, okay, so you, you do actually give more in taxes because you, you, you make more, you raise more revenue for the entire country. That's a good thing, you know, because if you're a successful economic person, usually what happens when you're successful economically in this country, you end up do spending more money in taxes because that's how our system as a progressive tax system is made. But, you know, that's besides the point. I guess California doesn't like the progressive tax code when, uh, when it doesn't apply to them. Or when it and when it does apply to him, so it's terrifying to hear that that he thinks that he's entitled to this bailout money, that he thinks Nancy Pelosi is going to ramrod this trillion dollar bill through to to help bail out the states. I don't think that's how this works. You had a twenty four billion dollar rainy day fund because. It was supposed to be used in case of emergencies like this. This is the ultimate rainy day right now. And you built it up and good for you. You were able to build up this $24 billion surplus and now it's gone. It's sad, but why not look into how to rebuild that through better budgetary management rather than, um, just asking Nancy Pelosi for a huge bailout. So there are a couple articles I was going to talk about, and then I found these clips and I wanted to talk about them a little bit more. Um, I'm still going to post them up in the show notes. I don't want to get too far into it because if I get into another topic, this is going to start really going over an hour and I'm really trying to keep these shows under an hour, under 50, 40 minutes. So with that, I'm going to end the show today. Like I always say, if you want to call into the show, you want to leave a voice message for the show, which will be played like Jim's voice message last week, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash California underground and leave a voice message, play it on the show, answer your question in the show. Uh, if you just want to email me a question that wants to be read on the show, you can also do that as well. Uh, California underground at protonmail.com. Follow us on social media. Uh, the most active place is Instagram. That's where I do a lot of stuff and post a lot of stuff. Uh, and that's also very simple. California underground. So make sure to like this uh, podcast, subscribe, leave a review. It helps out. Share it with other people who are interested in this kind of news and reflection on California politics because there is a lot going on in California and obviously you're not going to get it from the national news and you need someone who is going to break it down specifically because especially now with the lockdowns going on I mean there's always a lot of political news going on in California it is an enormous state and there's a lot of issues and a lot of politics going on here and that's what I try and break down but 
I've said this before. I don't want this to just be me and my soapbox. I want this to be a show where people can interact. And the more people interact, it can be used as a launching pad, as a bullhorn to other people who are interested in talking about this type of stuff. That's what this podcast is for. This podcast is created as a vehicle for people who are like the like the intro says, whether you're a conservative, a libertarian, or you're a moderate Democrat, or you're just someone who thinks things are getting a little out of hand here in California. It doesn't really matter. You just want to get back to a normal, responsible California that's not off the rails with overspending and high taxes and too many regulations. That's what the point of the show is. So the more people who share it and the more people who interact, I can guarantee the show will get get just it'll be even better if more people really start to interact, send in questions, send in voice messages, share it with people who think like this or who think would really benefit from a show like this or want to talk about stuff like this. Uh, And with that, I'm going to end. Take care. Uh, There's still a protest, I think, today and tomorrow. Check Fully Open CA on Instagram. They have all the information. If you're in one of the lucky counties who gets to go out to the beach, enjoy the beach this weekend, enjoy some sunshine that kills coronavirus, and uh, I'll see you again next week. See you on the next one. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 